Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Astetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. We have got a juicy result for you to talk about today. Tottenham Hotspur 5, Newcastle United 1. We've got a big crew on hand to talk about it as well. Lots on the agenda, really. We've got the men's game to talk about. We've got a, a result from the women to talk about. And, and later on, just to tease it a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about the World Cup draw because that's there's I, I hear there's a big matchup on hand uh, later this winter that, that needs to be discussed. So uh, let's start by throwing it around the room. We'll start by throwing it to Gentle Ben's biggest fan. Caroline is on hand. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, the beautiful thing about having the doubleheader this morning is that the men made me almost forget how bad the women's result was. So I'm in a much better mood now than I was earlier this morning. Yeah, it was not a good result for the women, something that we will let you get into uh, a little later on. The Todd father is also with us uh, fresh off of a, a weekend with me last week at TC underscore show. TC, what's going on, my friend? Any day. Any day that you get to talk about Tottenham Hotspur uh, putting five goals past Dubrovka is a good fucking day. It makes me extremely happy to make John Joe Shelby look like a bitch time and time again and to truly, truly, truly take a firm step into the conversation for the top four. It's a good fucking day, guys. It is a good fucking day indeed. Shuban is also with us at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, my friend? Hi guys. Yeah, yeah. I came with. I said it was a really even though this morning's uh, the women's result wasn't great. It was a pleasure to live tweet it with Kaz. And um, yeah, um, anytime you get to put a hate-filled, blood money washing, yeah, team out, yeah, to, to the sword. <laughs> How's that for irony? That, that was kind of good. It was kind of good. Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Tottenham fucking played the day. So that's <laughs> they all sure I got to say. Uh, sure I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because we fucking played the day. Five to one. And shout to Dakota for calling that spot on, even in the face of Shubon's skepticism. To, yeah. To, I'm just kidding. Shubon no. is a very uh, superstitious man. We all know that, right? And he doesn't like to play with fire, but Dakota and I love to to just spit in the face of destiny. So uh, we, we got our 5-1 today. Yeah, there's no no question about it. Uh, Dakota, shout out to Dakota. He did um, call after the second goal, after we took the lead 2-1, he said, we're scoring five today. And that's exactly what happened. So shout out to him. Uh, Scott's better half is also with us. Kat, she is at Africa Spurs. Kat, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Doing great. I mean, very happy for this win. We played really good, so I'm feeling really confident in for this top four. So really excited. Well, let's dive right in because um, this match was... <laughs> I don't even know like what else you can say. This was just really a joy to watch. Um, I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Southern California, like just kick back and enjoying it. Um, 
this game was one one at halftime, and then all of a sudden, like I said, Dakota predicted it. You know, we we, we score a couple minutes into the second half, and all of a sudden, it's off to the races. So, um, you know, Todd, let's let's throw it out to you, my friend. What to where do you where do you come away with this? I mean, we get five different goal scorers, and none of them are Harry Kane. What does that well, say about what what this team can do right now? Well, it tells me that that hasn't happened in a long, long time. I think you're going to give me the exact stat on that when I'm done with this. But um, what uh, what it really tells me across the board is that this is the most confident I've seen a Tottenham Hotspur football team in, in forever. Like, like uh, I can't remember the last time that we truly across the board played with this much confidence. Not that we were this lethal because we've been this lethal before. But from top to bottom, and save Hugo, that goal was a little suspect, to be fair. Uh, and I'll be the first one to call him out. Um, but from top to bottom, I thought that we had a confident effort across the board. Um, the front three were as deadly as ever. The midfield uh, did exactly what you've come to expect from Hoybier and Benteker, which is be consistent. As the back three were consistent, which is what you've come to expect. Romero having moments of true brilliance as we've come to expect from him. And Ben Davies doing Ben Davies things. I don't know. Caroline will probably say, tell you about that in a minute. But um, the one thing that I will say is you have to give shout to the flexibility that Conte has developed in this squad. We're using squad depth effectively for the first time, and I can't remember how long. Right, Doherty on the left hand side today not only plays his ass off, but also gets in this in the scorers column on a, on, a, on a fantastic header. Royale finds his form was still suspect, but did exactly what you expect him to do in terms of opening up space for Kulisevsky to run into, who was arguably outside of Sonny the best player on the pitch today. So you do that, and then to have the ability to switch to a back floor for the last 15 minutes after you've got you know a little bit of depth and get some positive production out of that formation, the way that we've seen Conte develop this squad is should leave this fan base with nothing short of a feeling of confidence headed down the stretch. Let me give you those numbers that you brought up um, before we move on, because I do think it's important to put this in context, what we saw from Tottenham today. Um, this is the first time that Tottenham have had five different goal scorers since they won 7-1 at Hull City on the last day of the 2016-17 season. The scorers that day were Harry Kane three times, uh, Deli Alley, Victor Wanyama, Ben Davis, and Toby Alderweireld. Th that comes from uh, your, your boy, Jack Pitbrook, uh, who I know you love so much, Todd. Who? Um, I yeah. never heard of him. <laughs> the, the last time right. that they... Oh, is that the guy that works for some rag over there in England? Yeah, fuck all right, that guy. All right. the, the last time that Tottenham had five different goal scorers and none of them were named Harry Kane, that would be in uh, 2009 in the League Cup at Doncaster. They won 5-1. Um, that's a long fucking time for, for, for Harry Kane to not contribute and for this team to have that many different goal scorers. It was coming from all ends. And Caroline, I think the biggest concern I had coming into this game is something that Todd alluded to, and that's that was the wingbacks. You know, with Reggion being out, um, we didn't even really dive into the lineup. The lineup was unchanged, really, other than, you know, the, the wingback situation. With Reggion being out due to injury, you slide Doherty over to the left, you bring Emerson Royale in, and that concerned me coming in. But those guys, for all intents and purposes, did what they needed to do. Doherty, while he still doesn't really have a left foot, um, as Todd said, got on the score sheet and 
Emerson got on the score sheet and the guys played well enough against a, a, a plucky, I, I would call Newcastle a plucky team that can, you know, I mean, hell, they led in this game for, for at least a brief moment. Um, what did you make of the wingbacks and the way that they played? Because all of a sudden, this is what I think we've seen the wheels kind of turning with Antonio Conte and trying to get these wingbacks moving in his system. All of a sudden, it looks like it's happening, right? Definitely. Uh, before I touch on the wingbacks, though, I do want to give Harry Kane some credit. Because uh, he did contribute today with an assist. Just felt that was worth pointing out. <laughs> no, you're 100% but, right. He definitely did. And a yellow card. Don't short my man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, the wingbacks. Um, Doherty, let's be honest, he, he almost played better on the left than Reggion has been for the last few games. I I think that he has better goal-scoring instincts than Reggion. And that is not something I thought I'd be saying at the start of the season. <laughs> But he's, you know, he's really proven his worth to the team um, over this, you know, second half of the season so far. And I think Royal also, you know, could be shown a little more faith from the fan base because he he has had some rough games this season, but he came in today. He got the job done. He scored a really scrappy goal and that can only help his confidence going forward. Yeah, he scored a scrappy goal and and showed a lot of strength on it, and that was not something. Look, you, you can you can say fan base or you can say me. You can just call me out. I've been the one really harping on him and 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 <laughs> you know showing that I have no faith in him. Um, and and I'm fully willing to admit that you know I was impressed today by both of those guys. It's it's really wild to think that you know we thought we would have the likes of Sessegnon, Reggian, uh, and Emerson firing on all you know and. Darty comes in and has, has kind of shocked us all in the last few weeks. But Shuban, what did you make of these wingbacks? I mean, I felt like if nothing else today, yeah, the midfield played great. And Caroline points out Harry Kane played great. Hillman Sun played great. Obviously, Kulisevsky was was doing things on the overlap. But the wingbacks are kind of, for me, what made this whole damn thing tick today. One thing I did notice was that um, Doherty and Davidson would on swap positions. So, so Doherty would go up and then he would cut inside positionally wise and then Davis would do the overlap so we were balanced. So that goes to I think was it TC that said, talked about the flexibility of Conte. He's I think he's obviously he's only been here what four, five months. Five minutes, yeah. So 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 he's still learning the system. But for me, defend and they were great. But you know what? I can't believe no one yet has spoken about Romero. Yeah. Oh God. Oh we're gonna get there. That guy that guy is filth. He's pond water. Seriously he's like toxic pond water filth. <laughs> he just makes it look. He honestly, I said this to. Is I that a I mean, in the nicest way possible. Do you know what? Honestly, I he's gone from now. being called a Rolls Royce to Pondwater filth, and I'm not sure how we get there, but, but we got there. But it's positive. Filth, filth is like a proper. It's, it's like an. It's, it's an English Celtic kind of term for being like just being that good. You're just filthy. You know what I mean? But um, no, it's just uh, how do I put it? He just. I always said, like, Toby, I thought, well, Toby would be the closer we'd ever get to Ledley in terms of just how smooth he was on the ball, how calm he was. And we, 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 know, we know Romero's got a bit of aggression in him. But Lord Almighty, he just, he was just, it was just so, was just like, you know, like, that's the maximum. Do your tricks. I mean, you, you saw Ro- 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 Royale fall for it, but Romero not once. like, try it. Try it. Keep trying it. And he just oozed it. I mean, you know what? They just had the Man of the Match awards. Jamie Carragher, maybe maybe because no one understands his accent, but he gave it to Harry Harry Kane 
the Sky guys, uh, the, the Tottenham guys have said, look, for the first time, I think we've got five goals. Romero is in there. He's actually winning this race. And for me, he is like, I don't know when he, I think, is it, is it, I can't, is it the Brian game? He has to avoid getting two yellow cards. I think this game, the next two games, he's to avoid getting two yellow cards to avoid being suspended for the rest of the season. But dear Lord, he is just, Oh God! I just can't get over how good he is. And that turn in the box, that, that that little turn at the end of the game, that little turn at the end at, at, in the box was absolutely ridiculous. He sent—I don't remember who it was—but he sent him for a hot dog. It was—it was tough. That's not an American expression either. He sent him for a hot dog. That's just not at all. That's just not Todd making one up on the fly. No, <laughs> we're just—we're just shooting from the hip. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, what the hell is he talking about? I, mean, I know he's both speak English, but my god, I've uh, it would be, uh, it would be send him for a pie. Yeah, there you go, Scotty. I asked Shuban about the wing backs, and he told me about Romero. So I'm going to ask you about the front three, and uh, and I'm going to give you a stat to go off of here. Uh, this is from Jonathan Veal. Uh, they have uh, produced 27 combined goal contributions in the last eight Premier League games. Kane with eight goals and four assists, Son with five goals and three assists, and Kulisevsky with two goals and five assists. Tell me about this front three, or you know, take it off the rails like Shuban did if you want. <laughs> I mean, I could go on about Romero and find a way to tie it to the front three, I'm sure. But no, the front three is awesome. I think I'll just say whoever decided at Juventus to, to give Kuliseski away is a fucking moron. And and I don't think, you know, I don't mean to, to talk about their character. I'm sure they're a fine person, but the de- decision to move him on is just baffling. Um, and and I say that not completely blindly either, um, as, as many of you on, you know, on this call with me know, and maybe some listeners as well. My best friend in the world is a stark Juventus fan and, they were they are probably the team that I follow second to Spurs. You know, I'm not a Juventus fan, but if there was a team that I kept an eye on outside of Tottenham, it's it's Juventus, and that's about my bandwidth. But um, from the day he debuted for them, he was a goal threat off off the the right flank. Um, I think Ronaldo really really stalled his career when he came in right and i think that's why kulusevsky saw such limited minutes um the past season but it was never because he wasn't talented right and i think he did he just had a hard time recovering from from probably some biased competition i think at the time um he's a very good footballer and, and i'm i'm happy that he's a spurs because you know i'm going on about kulusevsky kane and son or kane and son that's not new right and they you know, when I look at those two, they're always going to be effective. But Kulisevsky coming in has got those two kicking on in a way that I really haven't haven't seen this season, at least. And especially Kane, right? I think Sun has, has bounced in and, in and out a little bit of form, one could argue. And, and I'm not going to be one to argue that necessarily. But That's because um, you can't. Fuck off. Oh, whatever, man. Kulisevsky... <laughs> If okay, if 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 anyone disagrees that Kulusevski is is adding to the quality of Kane and Son, then I give you the floor, and I'm not even really interested in debating it, right? Well, they'd be they, blind they, if that was the case. I mean, I, yeah, because that's not sugarcoat. Okay, he's, okay. He's, he's, okay. he's certainly right. he has certainly given this team 
and and this is something that I think is important to point out. And and Scott, I'm going to give you credit for this because you said coming into the Antonio Conte era that this team was going to need to get a lot out of the wingbacks. Well, in order to do that, they needed to also find a lot of balance within their front three. And that's something that they did not have until Kulisevsky came on board and started to give them that balance. And that is not that is not a slight at Steven Bergvine and Lucas Mora. It's not. Because look, not they trying know, to do well, well, today, for sure. Well, Bingo. here's the thing. Like you, you're right because the the issue I think before Kulusevsky came in is we didn't have anyone that could invert on the right side. Lucas is ne- isn't necessarily going to invert onto his left foot well, or hold um, the ball up outside of Kane. Or, yeah, I mean Lucas. I love Lucas, but he's not really going to do much outside of run at tired legs and be pretty effective doing that. Right? He has a, he has a role, and he and yeah, he, fits, he fits the role gonna, that he's performing in right now. Yeah, very direct football against tired legs late in the game is really the, the what he's going to offer us more than anything else. And so I'm not really interested in in you know him inverting for 75 minutes of a football game. Kula says he's going to do that better. So we just didn't have the guy to do that. You you if you don't have the inverted wingers in a in a three four three, your wingbacks are are going to get clogged and just really have a hard time operating. Right. So I think that was the biggest thing that we saw from bringing Kulisevsky in, but. Um, we also, I think with him, you know, beyond the tactical piece, we brought in a guy who's just fucking brave. And he's shown from day one that he's not really interested in what any, what anyone else has to say or think, right? He's just there to compete. And um, he just, he reminds me of just that like quiet assassin. And I think that's kind of what yeah. I'm going to see him as for the rest of his tenure at Spurs, right? He, he's not flashy. He keeps his head down, doesn't say a whole lot. But when it comes to playing football in pressure moments, he's he's well prepared for that. He's a fucking Viking, my friend. I'm just telling you, we're just we're just going and, and we're just recruiting more Norsemen, and we're bringing them in. Watch, watch what happens this summer. I'm telling you, we're well, like Benteker. He's ready to fight everybody on that fucking pitch at any moment in time. I'm like, all he, about that. He did get blasted from behind, to be fair. Like we'll have to talk about. Oh, I was yeah, hoping somebody else. Dude, I thought he was going to get sent off though. I <laughs> thought so too. I thought so too. Um, no, but you have to. You you are absolutely right, Scotty. Like the the thing that I I think we can't understate about the Kulisevsky edition is just the physicality that he has, and the fact that he's just unbothered by these Premier League center backs trying to blast him. Whereas Lucas Mora, God love his mighty mouse, you know, vigor uh, is. The, the, is diminutive and there's nothing he can do about that except for run extremely fast against tired legs and pass the ball. And I appreciate him for that. Um, but for, for 75 minutes, that's an ineffective balancing piece with Kane and son. Kane gets doubled when the ball's in the air. Son does the best he can to run off of Harry flicks, but ultimately Harry's going to take a, a double team of a beating uh, you know, anytime that they're looking for some aerial wins. Now with Kulisevsky, the ball goes up, and you know that Kulisevsky can go and get it just as good as anybody else. He can also run at people as well, if not better than Lucas Mora, for 75 minutes. Because Lucas only has really one speed, right? He's not going to give you the... You're not going to get a lot of flips and tricks out of Lucas Mora. He's going to fall over the ball first. So and this, and this speaks, got a little swagger to him. And it speaks to the depth that... that- an addition like Kulisevsky can provide you because he can move Lucas into that role of coming in after 75 or 80 minutes and giving you one last push, like say, say Spurs need a goal. Lucas can be that guy to provide a late spark. And and I think Bergvine can, you know, I think Bergvine has a little bit more to offer even than Lucas in terms of his versatility, but he's another guy that can come in and can shit house and can draw, you know, 
draw a center back away and create more space. So I think you're right. I think the addition of Kulisevsky gives this club more, just more depth in that attacking sense, but it also gives them that balance with the front three with Kane and son. And again, I tie it back to the point that, that, that Scotty made once ago about the wingbacks, because the, when you can provide overlaps and, and, and actually hold the ball, you know, like Kulosevsky is able to do and, and provide overlaps with the wingbacks and, and that creates space and it creates opportunities for crosses. Um, that's, that's how Conte really gets his, his wingback system cooking. Go ahead, Shubhan. I was going to say, because I don't realize we haven't heard that much from Kat yet, so to be really quick. Alistair I was Gold going to her always, next, don't worry. Alistair Gold has always talked about, um, oh, he, he, we don't see as much as many, um, when, he, when Kulosevsky first joined, we don't see a lot of um, right foot crosses from him. But I think, was against Leeds, against, obviously against Newcastle today, we've seen quite a few, and what is remarkable is that Rodders and Decky, they've only been here, what, just over three, two, less than two months, maybe two months in total, maybe, just, and it's, they have really come on leaps, and they've really transformed, I, I, they, I can't think of any better January signings that we've made anyway, other clubs may have made a better January signing, probably Leeds, back in 1991 did, but um, apart from us, I can't think of anyone, and especially in the Premier League, any better January signs that we've made since we brought Jermaine Defoe back when we were like, you know, in the Harry's first season. I can't think of anyone's. It, it is pretty incredible to think about the reaction on, you know, February 1st to what the January window was. And now we're here on April 3rd. And those are just night and day reactions. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit more about kind of the pace of this game and the way that it went because this was a very I don't know the first half of this match cat I thought Spurs are playing really well they've got the majority of the ball they're they're pressing and it never looked like it was going to be the type of match where Newcastle just sat in and Spurs had problems breaking them down I mean they had chances and things were going really well and Spurs were kind of humming and then all of a sudden Newcastle you know Sonny makes the foul and they get a they get a free kick right on the edge of the box and they score on it and you think, okay, you know, Spurs give up a set-piece goal. That's a little unlucky. But, you know, you had Ben Davis and Youngman's son that kind of, I wouldn't say they were completely at fault for the goal, but, you know, you kind of look at those guys and you're like, all right, guys, come on, we can be a little better than this. And and I saw a lot of people sliding Hugo on the goal too. Um, I just didn't really think he had a shot on it. But, but, but for Spurs to come back, you know, four minutes later and get a goal that comes from Son crossing to, to Ben Davis – what does that say about this club? Because, I mean, you don't want to go into the half down one nil there because things can look a lot different. And we've seen this a lot from Spurs in, in recent memory of uh, this team actually showing a little bit of gumption and so, showing a little bit of resolve after giving, giving up a goal. Yeah. And, and I mean, for them to go in one, one, and then all of a sudden pour it on in the second half. I mean, this is, this is a Conte thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that was the one thing that I, actually enjoyed about this this Conte team because you know it, it still happens where we concede a goal and immediately like my heart rate goes up and my my watch is just like hey dude <laughs> your heart rate has been like at 120 like and you're not moving like what's happening <laughs> you know so the fact that you know we always we it seems like it's a trend that we are always scoring right after we concede a goal. You know, normally normal Tottenham would just well, our heads would drop, right? And and then you you're already thinking, oh, this is gonna be a long day. But you know, I had that feeling 
for like two seconds and then we scored right away. So I was like, okay, like now we're going to control this game is because we were controlling the game. You know, when it comes to the, that goal though, I personally think that um, it was partially Larissa's fault and Sun and, and Davis mostly because of their positioning of how they were. But Larissa should have been the one to tell them because you can, you had two people right there in front and to and you added Sun and, and, and Davies, which made that wall even basically bigger. So when you are at that point, like the wall has to make, do its job and it didn't, obviously. And Lloris couldn't see. I, so I think, you know, he, it was his fault because he could have communicated that to two people. But I don't know, like when we were setting up, people were talking. There was a lot of commotion. Like it, no one was not necessarily, you could tell that no, there was not that much communication when they were setting up for that, for that free kick. So... But that's how Tottenham is. I hope we're just going to get better with with set pieces. Has always been, you know, our struggles. Um, but yeah, I, I do see some improvement with this team, and I'm really happy. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, that resiliency for me is just it's a it's a really big deal. And like I said, the difference between going in uh, at the interval at one one versus you know down one nil, um, it's just a it's a it's a BFD, as you would say, and the <laughs> fact that the fact that Doherty comes out gets the goal uh, a few minutes after halftime on a on a beautiful ball from Kane heads one in, and then from there it was like you know that was when Dakota said you know in in our group chat the like, this team's scoring five now, and I kind of I didn't know it would get to five, but I definitely thought it would at least get to three or four because that gives Spurs the ability even though they were controlling possession and controlling the game, like you say, Kat, it gives them the ability to even sit back a little bit more with a lead and hit a team like Newcastle on the break, like they would do to a, you know, a city or a Liverpool or a, or a United, um, a team that, that wants the ball and wants to be in your face about it. It gives them that ability to even do it on a, on a different level. Um, it was just, it was a, obviously a brilliant second half performance, uh, all, all the way around. And like you say, you know, you get Doherty yeah. involved, son, Emerson gets involved and then Bergwijn comes <laughs> Which in was and funny. yeah, it's very funny. And then Emerson, funny. Uh, most people, I mean, most people thought that Royale was, he was still a little shaky, which, you know, that's Royale for you. And I, he is improving a little bit, but I, <laughs> I was just like, you know, his first half, I was like, Ooh, this is, I don't know about this. <laughs> and so yeah. he, he made up for it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that he, 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 you know, he did that and he's improving with, with the team. So, well, and then the final goal comes from, from Bergvine. And we've talked a little bit about Bergvine in the context of, of kind of linking him with Lucas Moore a little bit, but I, I wanted to give Todd a chance to speak on Bergvine as well, because I know you had some thoughts on him. I mean, this guy, I, I don't know if we, I don't know if there's a spot for him to come in back into the 11 right now with the way the front three is playing, but this guy is playing really, really well off the bench. Like even, even better than I think he almost ever has under Spurs. I mean, he obviously had the moment earlier in the season where he, you know, single-handedly basically beat uh, Lester, but what this guy's doing a, a job right now off the bench. Steven Bergvine's a number nine and I just want to call it what it is. And, you know, you, you call him a false nine or you call him whatever. Steven Bergvine needs to play up front. And, you know, Shoops made the comparison earlier uh, as we were kind of chatting, kind of he's got that that build similar to that Robbie Fowler type. And the thing is, is that I, I made the point earlier in the podcast uh, that that was a confident 
win for us. And I saw that, that, that we were a confident team. And then I've talked often on this podcast about um, Stephen Bergbein very much being a confidence player. And the fact that, you know, you start to get a little momentum for that guy and amazing things can happen. And he's really not had the opportunity to get the ball rolling, so to speak, here at Spurs with the momentum that he needs to be successful. Because to be fair, we've had a lot of different managers doing a lot of different bullshit. Sorry, Nuno. Um, and trying to, you know, get the best you can out of a guy like Steven Bergvine on the break isn't going to get a lot of the job done when you've got Kane and Son ahead of him. So giving this type of opportunity where you can literally look over the bench and see Lucas and Bergvine come off or come on at 75 minutes. And that very much feels to me like um, looking over and seeing Willian and and Pedro come on for Chelsea back in the day and being like, ah, oh, fuck, it's that time. Um you know, I, I think that that he is such a lethal guy, he being Steven Bergvine when he's on it, as we've seen for the Netherlands and as we saw against Leicester. Um, as when he when that ball went through to him today, I looked at it and went, went in my mind, I went, oh shit, inform Stevie B. Bang, Dubrovka had no chance. I want to um, parlay this conversation, at least briefly, into something that happened earlier in the week about Bergvine and coming off the bench because we you found out... You wanting to parlay? What? <laughs> well, that's, let's not talk about that right now. But uh, we found out earlier this week that the Premier League is going back to five subs next season. And I know this is a little departure off of talking about this game and, and, and this and that. Um, I think that it's a decision that puts them in line with the rest of the world really um we we, we're coming off an international break where we saw you know that's been going on really since the start of covid but caroline what are your thoughts on five subs versus three and the health of players and all of those sorts of things because this is a i want to let's make this a brief departure from talking about the game in tottenham specifically but five subs because it helps a guy like bergvine i think and it's going to help a lot of other players i think see time right agreed yeah i'm all for it just because we know that frankly, with the, the greed of people who are in charge of scheduling sports, that the fixture list is not going to get any smaller anytime soon or ever. So for the sake of player health, I definitely think it's important um, that we have five subs so that, you know, players can get get the rest that they need. And like you said, it also provides an opportunity for players who aren't getting the minutes they deserve. Bergbein is definitely one of those uh, to get a little more playing time. Um, and it, it could also even be a good opportunity for some of our youth players to come in in games when we do have a good sizable lead. I know we had um, a new player on the bench today who has, I don't think he's been on the bench for a Premier League game before, uh, Jamie Bowden, Bowden. I'm not sure how to say that. But, you know, getting to see one of them make their debut, that would be a really fun thing too. No, I, I absolutely agree with that, uh, Andrew, if, if I can piggyback on there. I think that looking long term on this, this is going to allow for for bigger squads. You're going to be able to spread money out across the team a little bit more. And you're going to cut down on first team injuries. You're going to be able to compete in four competitions legitimately year in and year out. You're going to be able to rotate in key spots. And truly use an academy system, to Caroline's point, like Tottenham has developed, to get those guys in and get that opportunity to play Europa League games or early, you know, uh, League Cup matches against Doncaster and things like that. Um, we really haven't had the consistency or confidence in the system to be able to build that type of squad depth 
that we can rely on consistently. And I think now that we have the opportunity to do that, bringing in five subs is only going to cement that approach further. Shuban, you were gesturing wildly as Caroline was speaking about this. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on five subs versus three? Well, Kaz, well I was going to talk about bloody young players like Cleed Klaz, and I was doing that live tweet today. We've been kind of be having that little mind link up today. But I think I mentioned this in the chat. We've said for how long that you're not going to get someone in to come be substitute Harry Kane. Well, I mean, because obviously he want, he'll want to play every single game and you don't want to use one of your three substitutes because in case you get an injury or something like that, you're not going to want to use that to give, you know, substitute, you know sub, the backup striker minutes. Well, this makes it so much easier now. Now, personally, I don't think we will see... I don't, I'm not saying, I don't think we'll ever see five subs because if you watch internationals, whether they do, obviously... They do a ridiculous amount of subs in international friendlies, and they will do, um, you know, but you know, that completely disrupts the flow of the game. And someone like um, Conte, who very much likes to plan a game out as much as possible, I don't see him ever doing. I'm not saying he won't do five subs, but I can see him doing five subs maybe if, if we have to. But I think, yeah, going on, obviously, we talked about the concussion subs. I think, I don't know if that's this has five subs as well as concussion sub, or just five subs, including concussion sub. So, I don't know full details about that, but hopefully that means that if a player does get all back to the head, they're more likely to take him off, which I think is good for player welfare. But definitely for us, I think it will help. And I think the argument that, you know, it will help, it will help the wealthy clubs. Well, do you know what? Wealthy clubs have always had an advantage. That's just the way it is, unfortunately. And thankfully, we are one of the wealthier clubs. And if it helps us, I'll take it. Yeah, you know, you've got to take anything you can. I think Andrew had uh, mentioned that this is bringing the Premier League into line with the other leagues uh, who have had five subs all this time. And my experience, at least from watching Bundesliga, is that managers do tend to use all five subs. I, I, I don't see why Premier League managers would be any different because it does provide an advantage. It provides an advantage. And, and I think to, to Schubert's point, it, it would allow, you know, we've seen Antonio Conte attempt to, and, and look, this is very bringing it back to Spurs specific. It's a very uh, niche point that I'm going to make here, but we've seen Antonio Conte reluctant to change the entire formation around um, when things go poorly. This would give not just Antonio Conte, but all managers the ability to go from, and 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 Kat, this is a point that, that you brought up as well. Like it, it allows you to go from playing a back three like Conte normally does to if shit hits the fan, all of a sudden, you know, pull one of your center backs off and switch to a back four and you still have the flexibility to make changes if need be, if there's an injury or, or, or something else going awry. So it, it, it does give men. And I think that that's the only part of this that I am even somewhat reluctant about is the ability is, is the flexibility because it gives managers a massive amount of flexibility in terms of changing the entire game plan at the drop of a hat. Um, and I think that takes a little bit of the preparation away even, but that's, that's a very like nuanced thing that I'm even remotely hesitant about when it comes to this. Well, I mean, Oh, go ahead, Dad. No, no, this is to uh, you. No, honestly, it, I see your point, Andrew. It's tricky. And I think it goes into like a little bit more into like the philosophy and the ethos of the sport. If you really get down to it, because any any sport, say hockey, so basketball is a great example. Those guys could play a 50-minute game without subbing out. Like 
they're they're athletic enough to probably do that but it's they are but it's going to change they the, could the, but they couldn't put they couldn't do it for 82 games a season and playoffs that, and well that sure exactly so that factors into this but my point here is a little bit more micro in the sense that they could do it it would just change the game a little bit right and so that's all this is. I think it's going to change the game for the better. I'm I'm a fan of it. I I think there's people out there that are like, well, this will benefit some clubs and not others. Like everybody has five pairs of fresh legs to bring on, use them effectively, right? Like the playing the playing field hasn't changed a whole lot, in my opinion, right? Like like Shibon said, the rich clubs have always been the rich clubs. Like if you don't if if City and Liverpool haven't had an advantage for the last ten years, like what the fuck has even been going on, right? Like there's advantages. <laughs> Beyond advantages, this means nothing, right? I so. think Shuba, I think Shuban's point though is that that City and Liverpool's fifth guy off the bench is probably better than Tottenham's and is way better totally. than Newcastle's. But their third guy off the bench is way better than our, everyone else's third guy right now, you know, and, and and maybe less so, but without a doubt, right? Like no question. So I get it. Like I'm not disagreeing with Shuban. I agree with him. I think it's a great point, right? I th- I think it just it just changes things equally for everybody, right? It definitely changes things. And, I, and I'm okay with more guys getting minutes. I'm okay with teams being able to use fresher legs. And, and um, you know, beyond the tactical piece, it will, you know, to the point of, of more players getting minutes, you're just going to continue to develop people. And everybody's made the point already, especially Caroline at the beginning. But we've got, we've got some guys in our team who will be, benefit from this tremendously steven bergvine being one of them for sure right um who need who need minutes to continue to develop and and i look at i look at let's say let's say the potch era had five subs skip would have gotten way more minutes like Mourinho would not have had to come in and like save the save the skip progression right like these things would have been mitigated um so again just another reason why i'm a huge fan of it no, that's. I mean, that's a great shout. I, I think you, your initial point really speaks to it. It, it goes. To, it buries. <clears throat> it very much boils down to the ethos uh, of what you're trying to do. And I think that five subs benefits. You're absolutely right. Five subs benefits. You know, all teams equally. A team like City, a team like Liverpool, it allows them to. You know, all the depth that they spent their money on, it allows them to get those minutes, and you kind of build those players into the system. Well, now. Tottenham with Conte is very much built in a similar fashion. We just need to spend accordingly so that we can get those players in to continue cementing this ethos in the fabric of this club so that we battle back when we go a goal down against Newcastle at home and we beat Leicester in the dying minutes because we believe we could even though the second half didn't go our way. Like these are the types of things that wouldn't exist um, I, I don't think at Tottenham currently without the type of, of leadership that an ethos that Conte has instilled and five yeah. subs only allows us to, to weave more players into that mix. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I did, I do have a rant and it's a great time to slide it in. It's I got to get in it at some point always. Right. But I, I think we have to look at Benteker and we have to look at Kulisevsky and we even have to look at Hoybier and all these people who are coming in and changing what Todd is talking about. I'm sick and fucking tired of the the Paratici slander of the Enix slander. Just it's tired, it's amateurish, and it says that you don't understand what you're seeing in front of your eyes. And I'm just growing tired of it. Paratici has brought Conte to the club. Paratici has continuously shown that he has links to guys that are between the ears what this club is desperate for, right? Conte does not come here without Paratici. Not a fucking chance, right? They're buddies. They're bros. Like, it it all compounds and adds up. 
and and most importantly, Levy in bringing in a guy like Conte is saying, I understand I have deficiencies and flaws. This is someone who will make me become better. And as somebody who has managed and led people, I'm fucking terrible at about half of the things that are expected of me at all times. Right. And I have to bring people in who will push me to become better at those things. Levy did that. Right. And, and I, I do that like six people in a staffing perspective. I'm not Daniel Levy running Tottenham Hotspur, but like, I'm just trying to paint some, some sort of reflection, you know, self-reflection into this, that it's a big thing to say, I have deficiencies and this person will push me to become better at those things. Right. And that's what we've seen with Conte coming in. No way Levy fucking doesn't understand that they're fire and, 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 and ice, right. Or oil and water. These two, yep. he's a smart person. Like yep. he's so intelligent. He saw that he acted accordingly. And I just, uh, the last thing I'll say is again, like that slander just shows that you're not well versed in the things that you're discussing, and I'm just fucking growing tired of it. It's Done. a lazy take, Scott. You're absolutely correct. That you know that ran that slander is lazy. We're building something, Andrew. Um, do you know, because Scott said that this will help all clubs, and therefore, I think we're going to see, especially in the Premier League, a lot of loans of younger Premier League players to, um, you know, to like. I'd say less well-off clubs and they're more likely to be given a chance because obviously, you know, you have five subs, they're more likely to give young players a chance, especially if they've come from another Premier League side. And for someone like Spurs, who especially we've got <coughs> guys like Alfred Devine, Dane Scotland, I don't see them getting learned out in Premier League minutes, but there are going to be players that we, that we look to bring in, look to bring back, like say, like, um, oh, I forgot the guy, oh, Brian Hill. And now Brian Hill, I, I think he'll, first of all, I think he'll get a lot of game starts, but I think he'll get a lot of minutes anyway off the bench. So I think it really does help us develop. Because I think in Italy, I think something that Paratici has done for many years is that he'll bring in players. And what he'll do is he would have actually, he want, he'll, he'll want them in mind for Juventus, but he will make sure that, you know what, you're not ready now, but in a year's time, you could be ready for Juventus or two years, but I have to give you loan minutes. And I think this does help him in terms of the fact that he can go to a club and say, Do you know what, got a young lad here, you're going to be joining us Spurs in a year, two years' time, he's yours for a couple of years, integrate him into your team, you will need to get minutes, and because of this five subs rule, that, that young lad is going to get more minutes. And something I want to ask Kaz, actually, um, does that, th th these um, five substitutes rules, does that also apply to the ladies as well? I, I couldn't I'd tell hope, you. I hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Because, I mean, in all the other leagues, in in like in, in Africa, the women's leagues, they, they applied that five, five, five substitute. So, I don't know. I don't know how it is in the Premier League. I hope so. so. I'm hearing all good things, Andrew. All good things, Scott. Your 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 point about kind of the overreaction theater is is actually where I wanted to go next because um, you guys know what happened on February the twenty third, just offhand, just on your brain, February twenty third of this year, about a little over a month ago. Um, Tottenham lost a match to Burnley one nil, and it came just a few days after they defeated Manchester City, and there was a lot of overreaction theater. Um, and I sent out a tweet that said. Um, <laughs> You know, the folks needed to calm down because uh, the the win against City, look, that didn't the, the, the losing to Burnley didn't erase that. Um, the team, Tottenham is not bad. Doom and gloom is not necessary. And I I told people I said, calm down. Top four race is not over. Um, well, that's the potato, look, not the potato harvest of yours. 
<laughs> the potato harvest. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of potatoes on, on the internet that day. Um, and honestly, you look at the table on April 3rd, and yes, I know that Arsenal have technically two games in hand. Really, it's like one and a half because we still play them. But um, the table right now, it actually says Manchester City 1, Liverpool 2, Chelsea 3, and then it says Tottenham 4. And I refreshed my page a couple of times and just to make sure that it wasn't a mistake. And sure enough, it's, you know, that's what it says. It says Tottenham Hotspur are currently in fourth place on this day, uh, April 3rd. And and Arsenal are actually fifth. Um, the team's level on points, but Tottenham have a two goal edge in goal differential. And, you know, yeah, I get that there's two games at hand, which I'll repeat is more like one and a half because we still play them. So to all those, and you people, know what, Woolwich, we're fucking waiting for you. We're sitting yeah, here wait. at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, waiting for you fucks to come play us. Cowards. And and by the way, rumors this week that that game, of course, as we mentioned, will probably be scheduled the week uh, of you know following the Liverpool match. So you know they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna stick it to us just like that, which is fine. Um, Tottenham, as Scott said, are waiting, and we are waiting because that match will happen. Um, and look, I'm, all I'm going to say is all you potatoes <laughs> who wanted to come after me for that tweet on February 23rd, you know, look at the table right now. That's all. Listen, all, all I want to say in response to that, Andrew is, is, uh, I just want to echo the words of our manager. Um, it's a really tough thing to have to play against us right now. I think that Newcastle just learned that. Dude, Conte is going to eat that guy that manages them. I can't even remember his name. It doesn't Arsenal. matter what his name is. He's going to eat the, that dude for, for breakfast, lunch, dinner. They are <laughs> not in the same stratosphere, those two, and I cannot wait for that game. I, that everybody's oh, everybody's, yeah, giving, Odegaard, everybody's right? giving Odegaard all this plaudits as well. I can't wait for Benziker and Hoybier oh, and oh. a healthy Skippy to get their hands on that game. Oh, my God. Let me, let, me, let me actually bring this back a little bit. Look, you – I, I know you all are. I, I'm I'm on board. Like I'm I'm confident. I'm I'm happy with everything. Let's just put it in this context for a second, though. Tottenham Hotspur are going to be playing a meaningful, meaningful fucking game in April, May, uh, against Arsenal. And they and guess what? The other eight that they still have remaining are also really fucking meaningful. Every game, as Conte also, I'll I'll, I'll quote Conte as well. Every game at this point is a cup final for this team. I mean, they are in this thing. And if you said that back at the end of Nuno, start of Conte, you you wouldn't have really given this team. Hell, like I said, if you said it on February 23rd, a lot of potatoes on the Internet come after you. So, you know, four out of our last five, Andrew. And, you know, for me, we're three of our last three. Everything comes in three, sir. That's where we're at. I just. I just say fuck the potatoes. That's all I say. Um, <laughs> you know, all of can you guys. Can we talk about can... our fixture list coming up? Sure. Yeah. You want to you want me to you want me to run it down for you? Because, um, you know, it is like I said, it's it's not a bad one. You've got Villa coming up this Saturday uh, on the road. Following Saturday is a home match against Brighton. Then they go to Brentford, which hello, Brentford, by the way. Uh, nice little dub for them over the last few days. Uh, and then the Leicester, match, some guy we've heard of, by the way, some guy we've heard of. We're not, by the way. We're not having that conversation today. We don't have the time for it, but I know that we all want to. <laughs> uh, Liverpool after Leicester. That's when apparently they're going to slot in this this Arsenal match, which uh, the Gunners are too afraid to play. Uh, which, hold then... on, r- real quick, just just a quick pause. 
Leicester got fucking jobbed against United, by the way. They got fucking jobbed. That was they absolute did. nonsense. Mm-hmm. The Premier League just did some <laughs> refereeing. It was awful. And you know, in a, weird way, in a weird way, Arsenal have done us a favour because Decky, I, mean, I don't know when we would have played them, but Decky and um, uh, Rodders wouldn't have joined us anyway by, by, by that time. So in a weird way, they've actually done us a favour. Oh, but, that game. Oh, 100%. oh, we are way better now than yeah, we so much better. <laughs> they have they have totally fucked themselves, and without a doubt, they know it. Like they could have came in with some U twenty three guys and beaten us that day, like no doubt. And they have no chance of beating us at this point. The confidence is strong in this one. Yes. Uh, finishing out that fixture list, uh, May fifteenth, Burnley, and then which again another really important match where you'd like to get a little bit of revenge. Uh, and then they close May 22nd uh, away to Norwich. So that's the fixture list, Todd. And that's what, that, like I said, it's eight cup finals at this point. That's what is being played. And guess what? You know, what Arsenal still play this weekend. They play Palace on Monday. Uh, that's tomorrow as we're recording this. Everybody go root for Crystal Palace tomorrow to help us out. Root against Arsenal because that's what we do as Spurs fans. That's These that's how we roll. These are facts. Listen, um, and also find the Daddy Ben Davis quote online talking about giving yeah. goals away for free because it's worthwhile. And guess what? If if teams like Newcastle are going to give goals away for free, we're you know who's going to take them? Tottenham Hotspur. That's who's going to take them. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, a lot of teams seem to be giving goals away for pretty cheap around Tottenham Hotspur these days, Andrew. <laughs> amen, amen to that. <laughs> Let's bring Caroline in and talk about this women's result today because um, it wasn't great. Caroline, let's let's get into that a little bit. Well, I don't think we can call it a smash and grab from Aston Villa, but it was pretty close <laughs> to being that. Uh, they basically scored off of their only quality chance uh, pretty late on in the game um, and ended up beating us, you know, 1-0. And it was our home game, so that's disappointing. But... I, I think a big factor in the game today was that we had a very extended break since our last game. Uh, we hadn't played since March 13th. We had COVID cases in the squad. Of course, we don't know who that was, but there were definitely some fatigue levels on display uh, on the pitch today. And, you know, and also just having that long break in between games, you know, the match fitness probably wasn't there for pretty much everyone. Uh, we saw that and just a lack of sharpness in the passing players um, not making runs into the box for the crosses that were happening. The one uh, positive thing was that Jessica Naz was back in the squad today for the first time in quite a while. Uh, and I thought she had a pretty good game, but again, her match fitness was not there yet. So she had to go out at halftime and that was a big loss. Um, we also, had a couple other substitutions kind of forced by the fitness levels. Um, Sumanen, she had been playing really well and had to go out. And, you know, the, the players that came in, you know, they did their best, but they're just not of the same uh, quality necessarily. So I think this kind of goes back to what I was talking about when we did our mailbag episode, that we really need to bolster our attack during the summer. Um, that's got to be the number one priority because we we do a decent job of creating chances. It's just that the finishing is hardly ever there. Um, and that can be really frustrating to then go and concede and just a, a lapse, um, which is what happened today. And I also think Aston Villa benefited from having the veteran WSL player Jill Scott come in 
I think it was in about the 70th minute, she really, you know, provided some stability to her team and helped them carry out their game plan. I, they executed it perfectly. So, you and know. oddly enough, the halftime entertainment as well. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I didn't see it. Yeah, but the, the, the positives we can take out of today, I think, are that we still displayed that fighting spirit that's been a hallmark under Rian Skinner. Like, the team does not give up. We played to the final whistle. We even saw Becky Spencer <laughs> uh, come up into the box for the final play, trying to help us get that, you know, equalizer. And besides conceding the goal, I actually thought we did very well defensively still. That has also been a big strength this season. So I don't know, Shuban, what do you think? Because I know you watched uh, the whole game as well. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that so defensively, so I thought Ash is someone I've known since the Chesham days. So it was, I've, I've, managed, I've spoken to Ash quite a few times and um, I thought she was superb. I mean, it just, it, apart from Jessica Naz, I think there was another player, some, something Williams. And Rachel maybe, Williams. And Zadorski. None of the other players were just at that same level of caliber, and you could just tell. And the problem is, I would be really scared if someone tried to nick Ashley Neville or something, because you could just tell how good she was and have Zadorsky. But I think the, the match commentators, I don't know if you're the, you're, you're the same ones we did, obviously the FA player, they said, look, defensively, we were all over the place last season. They fixed that, and they've now moved forward. I think next, I mean, I think we're top we're in top 10 which i think top eight or something which is we haven't really been in the premier league that long it's quite an achievement really to even even consider trying to even go to the champions league which you, i think you said was top three so i think if we can just get off because i think it wasn't really the strikers but there wasn't enough movement ash I and mean, there was a really a cross you saw by ash neville and there should have been someone at the end of it but we just don't have the strikers of the movement to exploit ash's runs you know that she, that she makes off the wing but we don't have that final pass. I mean, Naz, oh, there were some really good, like, like honestly, they were like swivel hips, like the old Nusnus Nobelis late hips. But she clearly wasn't match fair. And I think, I don't know if she was one of the players, obviously they weren't safe, she came down with COVID or not, but she, you know, and I don't know if, it was, again, that COVID factor, because was it, this is the first game in about three weeks. And yes, you're rested, but there's, a, there's something that you get from a rhythm of playing football. And I think if you're not playing, you can, have all the rest, but when you go from cold, you can do all the warm-up games that you can want. It's very difficult. So, like I said, it's disappointing, but from, from a personal point of view, it was a lot of fun doing the live tweet with um, Kaz, uh, thanks to Scotty and to Laurie for um, retweeting, and, and to Tom Deep as well, and <laughs> retweeting us. And yeah, and hopefully if the opportunity allows, then yeah, I'll be more than happy to live tweet along, because I said um, I was my first ever Spurs game was actually uh, Spurs A's game was actually my last official game at the lane. So and you know so therefore yeah you know, it was always it was always a pleasure. And anyone that fights the you know that has the you know the old you know cocker on the you know on the on the shirt. In terms of the women's team, though, you I mean we, like you said we talked about um, the, the the long layoff uh, after the the COVID postponements last week on the mailbag episode, and it. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading this right, they did reschedule the Chelsea match, but they haven't yet rescheduled 
the Arsenal uh, fixture, but it looks like another fairly decent layoff for the women's team. It looks like they don't play again until April 24th now uh, after the match today, if I'm reading this correctly. so Yeah, it's because there's a an international break coming up for the women now, so we can't really get a good rhythm going, so that's frustrating. Also, as we're talking about the ladies' team, I, I or the women's team, excuse me, I, I did want to give a shout-out to former Tottenham Hotspur women's player Alex Morgan, who bagged a brace for the San Diego Wave yesterday in her NWSL, I think, second game. Go away. Speaking, speaking of ladies, um, El Clasico in, in Spain, the, the ladies' version of El Clasico had 93,000. I don't know. I remember has I, I think, Alex Scott. Um, who obviously played for them down the road, um, was featured and they did an interview about it. But what I really was impressive is the fact that, and that's the thing I was asking, do you know, we, a lot of young girls will get, you know, players of, you know, like Kane, Sonny, whatever, on their back. Alex Morgan was a huge name in the, in the, um, late in, the, um, in, ladies, in, in ladies football. So a lot of people would have got maybe her name on her back. For but sure. What I liked about it on El Clasico is that, is that I think I did see some girls with the players. I don't, I don't know some of the Barcelona players, so forgive me for that. But they had, instead of, like, say, Leo like Messi or, or, I don't know, the Pi or something, they had the actual names of the players' names. And I, I, don't, I don't know who these players are, but I thought that was something that really, you know, I thought, you know what, there have been young girls thinking, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to play professional football, and some someone's going to have my name on their back. And that's something that we really need to celebrate a lot more. And so, yeah my girl pal statement of the day sorry i love that you guys uh want to get into the world cup draw for a minute here before we before we depart um well, a little bit it's of coming a... home. it's coming home that can coming of worms home. soccer's <laughs> coming home baby i'm telling you yeah, a little, bit of a, <laughs> little bit of a can of worms indeed of course group b includes uh you know england and the united states along with uh iran and of course maybe maybe even wales scotland or ukraine i mean just what is going on here uh shuban i will i will guess i give you the floor here um what did you make of the world cup draw well, after the mistake of calling um, the World Cup 10 2010 group easy, I don't think we'll see that ever again happening. And look, I think um, I, I've also had a few digs at you lot, but um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got some very good players that have come through. You've got McKenney at Juventus, uh, Pulisic at them lot, at the, at the racists. You know, you've got, you know, you've got some amazing talent coming through. I know there was another player, and I think. I understand McKenny was injured for most of the international. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler Adams. You, you know, you you got Stefan. You know, winning winning trophies at, Ma- at Manchester City. You know, Serginio Dest is at Barcelona. Is that good? I don't know. Um, so I <laughs> mean, the, the thing is, the colonialism runs deep in this group. Let's just call it what it is, sir. Uh, we, we understand, and, and and that's fine. And we'll see. My favorite part about this. Is I said two things. One, we're already going to have qualified by the time we see you lot. So if Harry Kane bags a break or bags a hat trick against us to on his way to winning another golden boot, I won't feel bad. Um, however, I think you're going to get a hell of a lot more of a game than you think, and I think Jordan Pickford is going to have his fucking hands full. I mean, that's that's and, well said. And- <laughs> one 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 question I have for my lovely wife. Is is where do you sit here? Because that is a good question, actually. You, you you're not far it's off from carrying a, 
you are not <laughs> far off from carrying an American passport, but you still have ties to that queen who I will never toast to. I also just want to like I want to I want to interject here really quick. The, the other four of us get to sit back and watch like a, a, a marital thing happen here over this call, which is really <laughs> enjoyable for me. I want to see where the World Cup allegiances sit uh, right now. We're going to see this live on the Tottenham podcast. That's difficult. I mean, usually like I for for most of my growing up, I never really considered the US to be a threat at all to anything. Because <laughs> we weren't. We weren't. There were no. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my country also is 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 on the struggle bus when it comes to this World Cup. So it's okay. So I was always, you know, rooting for for, for London. Um and a, lot, and a lot of the reasons was mainly because we had a lot of Tottenham players paying for them. So I was always just, you know, rooting for my for my boys. So I don't know about this World Cup. It depends. It depends. I mean, I think once we, I think the London and US is going to qualify out of that group. Um, and then things are going to get a little interesting. Well, so, let's talk well, about that. Let's talk about that, well, Andrew. Let's, you want to go group by group? Well, I, I think the important thing to point out, and this is not a, a, an original idea or a, an original thought, but the, I think the overwhelming thought about this entire draw is that there is no real group of death. Um, there are challenging matchups and challenging groups, but um, there I don't are... think anybody wants well, to be in Group H, to be fair. Hold, hold on one second. We, I, I, I like this conversation, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I, but I have to respond to Kat quickly. Go for and it. I, and, and... I didn't give him an answer. That's why. No, <laughs> that's a good point. You didn't. And you know I... what? You know what? Credit to Scott because I let you off the hook, and he wasn't going to do that. So good job. No. He's not going to do no. I I will say this. My wife celebrates United States goals and victories significantly. How do I say this? I'm trying to say this elegantly. Just the the way in which he celebrates these goals puts me to shame, right? And I'm I'm a pretty muted fan, but I I assure you that she will be celebrating. Scott, you are not that. muted in any way, shape, or form. When I'm what, when as, as well, sure, but my goal celebrations are right. I I don't react. It's all internal. <laughs> But I will tell you this, that when the U.S. smacks England, I know that she will celebrate that victory. And when 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 our false nine, whoever that is, runs rampant on a weakened center back group, she she will be very happy that the United States takes three points. I don't know. I bet you I bet you they take Eric Dyer, though. I bet you they take Eric. And I stand corrected. Damn it. They're not going to play the Titanic there. No. Harry Maguire, did you not hear? It was I don't I don't look the refrigerator. Harry, he was he was like which is I think it's not fair. You don't if England, England players, I don't know if it was a man if it was a Man United thing, it probably was a Man United thing as well. But he was booed the crap out of. Um just to be totally honest, it's, it's a long way to go because you've got the Nations League coming up. Long, long way then, to go. Then you've got um, um was it about two, three months of football. So whatever can happen, injuries. Personally. How about the whole last start of a new season? Like, you know, that uh, there's the a long <laughs> start I mean, of the, a new season. We have to finish this season, get through a summer, start a new season before this thing even gets rolling. And by the way, Scott, you know, your idea of a false nine for the U.S. scoring against England, that's the only way that that the the that would happen, because the idea of the U.S. having a number nine is indeed false. Um, right, that's, correct. That's where I mean, we're at. Right we now. big old we, stinky facts. We, 
we do not have a nine, and we will have to play with a false nine. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm being literal. And by when by I say the way, Augsburg, Augsburg, or wherever Pepe is played today, and he was easily the worst player on the pitch for them. There are a lot He's of just fun. Too young man. He's going to be good. He's just too young. But the young, confidence, right? man. There yeah. Are a lot well, of and that's why we can't. Though, in terms of this World Cup, I mean, there are. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know it's not a U.S. pod. I'm not going to go down that path, but. I'm just picturing Ben at the at the heart booing when Kane scores a hat trick against you lot. I just I just I just can't see that happening. It'll be hilarious because it'll be like because honestly this is the thing right. Uh, years well, I, I I have a I've made quite a few jibes at um, D for being a Jaffa because that's to do something potentially being orange or something. But so here's the thing: in Northern Ireland, the Catholics in Northern Ireland do not root for the Northern Irish team. That's many a Protestant thing. So years ago, in I think in the World Cup qualifiers, you had the Northern Ireland team actually scoring against England, and then like you got all these people thinking, "Wait a minute, do we cheer because we consider ourselves being British?" <laughs> and then they, they didn't know what to do. And just the look on Ben's face would just be hilarious. And well, like, congratulations to Ben. Yeah, yeah shout to Ben and Alison for sure. Yeah, yep. they both love, love to admire, and so congratulations to them. Hey, well, I, w- I, w- I have to interject oh, here in the interest of a. Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, all you, Caroline. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, in the interest of a, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I am not the only person on this podcast with no. We were uh, we were going to get there. Loyalties. <laughs> we were going to yeah. Get there, so, you know, Kat may have alluded to the fact that the U.S. team has been hot trash for a long time in my lifetime. Uh, so, since I was a young kid, I have rooted. For Germany, <laughs> my ancestral homeland, oh, and no. that has not changed and is not is not going to change. I I will root for the U.S. if they are not playing Germany, but I'm just going to lay my flag in the sand right now and say that Germany's winning the World Cup. So hope y'all well, are ready. Germany for that. gets Germany gets a fun group. They get to play Spain, so maybe we'll see the likes of. Is Brian that the Hill Women's and World Cup? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. You know the German women's team is pretty good too. So I know that's why I asked. <laughs> we will we will also get the likes of a Denmark France matchup. In Can't wait for that. Love so it. Hugo perhaps going up against the likes of Eriksson, Hoybier. Uh, we also get to see Korea in that Group H that that was alluded to earlier. So we'll get to see Youngmin's son go up against the likes of Uruguay, Ghana, Portugal. Um, just a lot of. A lot of fun, a lot of fun is, connections in this World Cup, even though it is not until the fucking winter, which is obviously just and, and everything, everything politically that goes around with this World Cup is just awful. And, and you know, we know that, but um, at least there was a little something about that. So some of my friends, Adam Powley, he's actually you might have seen some of you um, documentaries on Spurs. And he's actually asked questions that would would people watch the World Cup or would they boycott it because of I mean, I hate to. Talk about this. Obviously, we've had well. There, there are two. There are two key issues for me. First of all, um, for those you don't know, in Qatar, homosexuality is illegal. So, and I remember years ago, I think Blatter was asked about this, and he made this awful, awful joke about it. What made it worse is the fucking sycophants and the media just laughed along as well. He just said, "Well, maybe they can just just decide not to be gay for three weeks." And I thought, "Fuck you! How dare you say that?" So I hope that you know what. Every one of every national every national team, probably Saudi Arabia and Iran won't wear it, but they wear a big, massive rainbow on their shirts. Okay. Secondly, the migrant workers. We all know how yeah, where the migrant workers' names 
on your back because God knows how many of them have died because of shoddy labor laws. And that's what they know. They died building these stadiums. So sorry, that's my rant because for those of you who don't know, I am ethnically, my roots come from Bangladesh. A lot of the migrant workers that are working on those things come from Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka. So this is, there are so many tragedies going around the world. But you know what? Here's the thing. Once the, once the World Cup's over, we're still going to have um, bigotry in, um, in, in that part of the world. And we're still going to have really bad work conditions. And if this World Cup doesn't shine a light on this, that's shame on so many people. That's what I've got to say about that. It definitely needs to uh, change the selection process for future World Cups. You know, this is a moment when FIFA really needs to make up for all the mistakes that they have made and do a better job. Well, how, many of the, how many of the officials, Caroline, that, that voted for Qatar have been sanctioned, removed or jailed? And you mentioned, you know, the Women's World Cup. We should think about the fact that they could never hold the Women's World Cup in this country because there are so many openly queer players in the women's world. So it's sad. It's true. It's very sad. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult doing a podcast when we talk about the likes of FIFA or UEFA or, you know, even, even the FA to some extent because there are times where these conversations are just impossible to have and there's no there's no proper context to put around them and you know we'll, we we attempt to do our best but uh it's it is impossible and it's a weird it's a weird note to try to close the pod on for this week but it's 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 what we have to do we have to talk about these things as unco- as uncomfortable and as uh you know unsightly as they are and it's important to say the kinds of things that are being said and 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 put them on the record we we try our damnedest to enjoy the football and celebrate the football but all of these things have another side to them as well and it's important for us to discuss those so that's what we try to do here at tottenham depot uh even when we veer off into other lands talking about uh five subs and and usa versus england and you know germany thrown into the mix and uh, <laughs> you know all of the different things um it's important to talk about the real stuff as well as try to try to put a little context and have a little fun around it so i'm glad that we are all able to do that uh shout out to dakota who is uh working hard and doing our graphics and i know we haven't heard from him in a little bit but he will be back in the near future thank you Dak. that uh, he is at dakota j booth uh cat is at africa spurs scott is at dsm spurs shuban is at the real shuban todd is at tc underscore show caroline is at cg stefko i am at a stedka we are at tottenham depot on twitter on instagram on tiktok uh, rate and review the show. Drop us a line on socials. We will be back with you next week. Tottenham play Aston Villa. Get on board. This race for the top four is really a race, and it is really, really fun. And we will be here with you through the end of the season to talk about it. This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>